You're listening to the sermon audio from Mill Creek Community Church. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com. Thank you, Robinson family, for reading the text. I hope, I hope someday I get to stand up and read the text with my family up here. That's really special. Hey, before I start, moms and dads, if you've got little kids in here, just know it is okay, and we love having them in here, and my son wore an astronaut costume, so whatever you're, we're doing today, it's not going to be a, a, as uh, confusing as uh, astronaut on pajama day, and I, between, during the prayer, left with him because he said I want some mints, and I got him like 27, and so he's going to sit over here and eat mints, and so if your kid is having a hard time and you need to go get 27, usually I ask my kids two or three a Sunday um, because we're going into debt to buy mints, but if you need to get up in the middle of my sermon to get more mints, just know you and me both, man, and I actually may have to pause the sermon to go buy to get some more mints for him, and kids, we love you being in here. What a special Sunday to be able to be together at Christmas. Perhaps there's some out there who say, oh, do we have to go to church on Sunday? Do we have to go to church on Christmas? Um, I promise you that there are places in our world right now where you can't do this, and people would give anything to be able to be together with God's people freely and legally, and it's a real gift that because of Jesus, we can be together. So thanks for joining. Uh, Jump in with me. Uh, We're at Luke 2. And uh, to, to introduce, I am sad it's Christmas Day because, so it seems, today's the last day or the last few days you get to listen to Christmas music. At least, that's what I've been told. Like that the Christmas music season has come to an end, but I actually don't care about any of those rules. I'm a total Thanksgiving skipper when it comes to the holidays, and I do actually do Christmas music year-round. My, my favorite music to write a sermon to I can't write a sermon to uh, music with lyrics, but I love classical Christmas carols. And I love listening to all the different renditions of Silent Night and getting a chance to enjoy as I write. That's the playlist I like. I don't know what playlist you like. Send it to me. I would love to check it out. Uh, But there is a Christmas song I've noticed is very polarizing on the topic of Christmas music. The, the, The song that... There are a few up here who think this song is so awful. When we talk about it at staff, it is like what I think to be the most polarizing Christmas song of our age. What would I argue is the most polarizing Christmas song? We'll not have to listen to it again for another year. Mary, did you know? (laughs) Mary, did you know? Now, I'm not going to name any names. But somebody who really hates it likes to sit in this area right here, okay? But I'm not going to name names. There might be a person who plays guitar over here who just thinks that is the worst Christmas song of all time. But I've noticed there's some of you, I think this is perhaps my dad, who just think, it is the best song I've ever heard in my life. A few lyrics, if you will. Mary, did you know? Your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that our baby boy has come to make you new? The child that you delivered would one day deliver you. Mary, did you know? 
people love it or they hate it. I mean, come on. That is good stuff. Mary, did you know? <laughs> I didn't realize there was going to be so much participation. I, I was practicing on my treadmill thinking this is one-way communication, but I, I confess I like it better this way anyways. Mary, did you know? Well, the, the answer is, of course, well, did you read Luke? Did you read Luke? Like, was anybody here last night? Because the shepherds showed up and they talked to her. And they told her stuff like, angel came and told us he's Savior, Christ, and Lord. Mary, did you know? Did you read Luke 1 when Gabriel, who we found out, stands in the presence of God, looked at her and said, you will give birth to the king that has been promised from the Old Testament, the one on the line of David. That's who, Mary, did you know? I think this meme captures it the best. Mary, did you know? <laughs> yes, the angels told me. Well, for our purposes this morning, we are going to settle the question once and for all, what in the world did Mary really know? What in the world did Mary really know? Now, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want to show you really quickly what we know for sure Mary knew, because it's in the text. For those of you who are listening, as the text was read, you'll notice that there were two timetables that Luke is bringing our attention to. One, when Jesus was six months old, six weeks old. Do we have any six-week-old babies in here? We have a six-week-old baby right there. You a big baby. <laughs> six-week-old baby, real small. And then another scene when Jesus is 12 years old. By show of hands, how many of you are 12? Who's 12? Okay, we got a 12-year-old. Can you stand up for me, young man? That's a, that's a, it's a big 12-year-old boy. So that, that Jesus is 12. Okay, you can sit down. That's good. All right, we have two scenes, and we're going to find out what Mary knew when Jesus was six weeks old and what Mary knew when Jesus was 12 years old. Did you know, did you know, there are no other stories about Jesus when he was a kid in the Bible? Kids, kids, if you're thinking to yourself, what was Jesus like? Did, what was he like? This is what we have. And it's a beautiful story from Mary's recollection of what Jesus was like. In the sermon then, I want to, point one, we're going to talk about Jesus at six weeks old and 12 years old. And then point two, I'm going to try to bring it home, why it matters for us today. If you, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, just open up. Kids, my, my, my wife in, invited me to give you a Christmas present, and, and the Christmas present was not to give you even longer sermon. I felt like because I did 15 minutes last night, I should get an extra 25 on top of my 40 and just make this a cool hour. And she said, that is not a gift, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> so I, I promise I'm going to go as quickly as possible to show you the most important parts. Kids, Open up. <laughs> Brooke said she'd listen to another sermon tonight that I, that, I, that I prepared. So, Okay, what did Mary really know about Jesus? If you're taking notes and you got a little handout, you might want to write down that, that, that Mary has been told so far from Gabriel and the shepherds, she's been told some stuff about Jesus. We know for sure that she is preparing 
for her son to be the long-awaited king, the Messiah, the one who will reign on David's eternal throne. And we know from what we looked at last night that this baby is going to be Savior, Christ, and Lord. But now Jesus is six weeks old. And at six weeks old, they're going to the temple. Verse 22, they're headed to make a sacrifice in obedience to Old Testament law. They have to go to the temple and sacrifice a lamb. Leviticus 13 is where we find the expectation that if you have a, your firstborn child, you go and you sacrifice a lamb in dedication to God. But if you don't have enough money, you can take two birds. And if you look in the text... What we find out about Joseph and Mary is they don't have enough money for a lamb. So we know from the scriptures, we're talking about a couple who's in a low socioeconomic status. But out of obedience to the Lord, they go to the temple. And they're going to give those two birds and dedicate Jesus. And as they get there, they find this man who is very righteous and, and very devout. Look at verse 25. Very righteous, very devout. And his name is Simeon. And as they walk into the temple with little six-week-old baby Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who previously in Simeon's life at some point had told Simeon, before you die, you will get to see Messiah. So Simeon has been waiting his whole life. When will I see Messiah? Holy Spirit comes on Simeon. He sees the six-week-old baby, and he throws a chair through the window and says, boom, I've seen him. This is the one. Okay, kids, I guess I took a little liberty. He didn't actually throw a chair through a window, but he does get really excited. Look in the text. Look in the text, and you can see 29 to 32. He's breaking into song. We've got a format of poetry because he's singing how excited he is. I love the way R.C. Sproul puts it. R.C. Sproul writes, Simeon saw a poverty-stricken peasant couple holding a baby, which was perhaps still adorned with swaddling clothes, but instantly, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Simeon recognized the Savior. And that's why Simeon's singing. Boys and girls, he is singing, and it's as awkward as you might imagine. As awkward as a preacher singing in his introduction, with everybody listening, except Simeon's song ends with this beautiful refrain that the Savior is going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Church, don't miss that in Luke's gospel, Jesus didn't just come for Jews. Jesus didn't just come for ethnic Israelites. The plan from the beginning was that Jesus was coming for every tongue, tribe, and nation. And for anybody in here who is not ethnically Jewish, you ought to be celebrating. You are invited to be the people of God because this was his plan. And Simeon sees it and he's singing, salvation is available to everybody. The six-week-old baby is going to be Savior. Joseph and Mary marvel at Simeon's song, verse 33. And then Simeon kind of talks to Mary for a moment. He says, 35, 
excuse me, 34b, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mary, I suppose, many years later, realizing this is a call out to the cross. Simeon finding out at six weeks old, knowing prophetically, Jesus is going to die on a cross. And when Jesus died on a cross, you bet that his mom hurt. And that was cut to her. And Jesus on the cross is going to, is really going to divide Israel. Some are going to look at Jesus on the cross and say, no way, he is not Savior, where others are going to be saved. That prophecy is still true for us today, friends. Everybody in here right now, you're in one of two groups. You either look at Jesus and say, he's my Savior, or you're looking at Jesus and saying, I reject you. But everybody's in one of two camps. What Simeon is singing is, he's the Savior. That's what Simeon's singing. As soon as he's done, Anna shows up. Anna, she's a prophetess which we don't have a lot of prophetesses in the text, but she's one of them. And she shows up, an 84-year-old widow, with this six-week-old Jesus. And verse 38, she begins thanking God and speaking of Jesus to all around her. You see that in the text? She is telling anybody who will listen, the redemption of Jerusalem is here. Are you waiting on redemption? He's here. And that's the six weeks old scene. So, so what do we know for sure? What do we know for sure Mary knew when he was six weeks old? One, Jesus is the Savior. Two, Jesus has come to bring redemption. If Mary had a journal, she had got home from Jerusalem at that temple experience, my guess is in her little journal is, weird interaction at the temple today. Crazy old man started singing a song over my baby. Evidently he's Savior. Then an old lady, poor lady, hasn't had a husband for 70 years, and she also started to say he's the redemption. So Mary knew that. Mary knew that when Jesus was six weeks old. And she's pondering this stuff. She's cooking on it. She's thinking. But now fast forward to the second scene in the text. It's when Jesus is 12. Mary learned something about Jesus when he's 12, even though it doesn't fully connect Verse 41, Joseph and Mary, they're going back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. It's what you always did. And you go with your neighbors and your family and friends, and it's this big old caravan so that you safely make it to the city. And they go and they celebrate Passover. They come home and they forget Jesus. All right, kids, show of hands. How many of you have been forgotten at church before? Just be honest. Oh, adults too. Everybody who's ever been forgotten at church, come on, raise your hands and be proud. I am just like Jesus, man. I got left here, yes. All the Richardson kids have been left here before. God bless you guys. Yes. Did you get Martin? No, I, I didn't get him either. Okay, well, maybe he'll walk. Okay. If you've ever been left at church, you're like Jesus. If you've ever left your kid at church, you're like Mary and Joseph. You're in good company. Someday in glory, if they say, hey, we're going to have a little brunch for anybody who left their kids at, at church or synagogue, you get to drink coffee and have some pastries with Joseph and Mary. Imagine what that must be like to be Mary, knowing he is the Savior, knowing he's not with you, 
I mean, my guess is Joseph and Mary have more kids at this time. And my guess is Mary's like, Joseph, I can't find Jesus. He's the savior of the world. I wish we would have lost another one of the kids. Eternity is not hinging on Frank. I owe Meech for that joke. That was good, Meech. I love that. She lost the Savior, man. And, and, and so, verse 44, she's asking friends and family. They had to go back to Jerusalem. Verse 46, three days later. I've always known it was three days later, but then I thought for a minute, three days later? Oh, my word. Three days later? I'm thinking... I've lost a kid for like three minutes and I had, you know, I was like, I'm going to call the police and they're like, oh, is it you again? You need to keep better track of your kids. Three minutes, three days, three nights they're going to sleep going, oh God, he's the savior God. And, and I mean, he's, you said he was your son too. I don't know what he's doing, but I am going to let him have it. So what happens at 12 years old, they show up, they show up at the temple and there's Jesus, 47 with teachers, and he's listening, and he's asking questions, and he's amazing them. He's amazing his mom and dad. They're sitting back there going, oh, wow. But of course, Mary can't let on that she's so amazed. I would expect because she's mad. Jesus, I mean, he's never done anything wrong. He even changed the toilet paper when it ran out as a kid, but now he's gonna get a little something from Mother Mary I envision there after being astonished, 48, Jesus, where have you been? Do you know how worried I've been about you? That's the way my mom would have said it. It's my paraphrase. But then look at Jesus in 49. Look at his response. Because, because his response, it seems to imply that he is surprised that they wouldn't look. Verse 49 leads me to believe Jesus is like, duh, where did you think I would be? Look at the text. He said to them, Jesus said to mom and Joseph, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? R.C. Sproul again. How significant that the first recorded words of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, this is the first time Jesus has spoken in the gospel. This is the first thing he says. How significant his first recorded words are ones that go to the heart of his own destiny. They go to the heart of his vocation and calling as the Messiah. Here, Jesus, consciously identifying himself as the son of God because it's his daddy's house. 12 years old, Jesus knew this. And the text tells us that Mary and Joseph didn't get it. They didn't get it. I've actually been told culturally, 2,000 years ago, a 12-year-old boy was expected to know his career vocation. That was when you decided what you're doing for life. A 12-year-old's in here, raise your hand again. If you're 12, raise your hand. How many of you know exactly what you're going to do for your career? You've already decided. One of you. Okay, you, could, you would do well as an Israelite 2,000 years ago. Most 12-year-olds have no idea what to do. But at 12, from what I've been told, Jesus knew what he was supposed to do. 
And his mom and dad would realize that as a 12-year-old, he was making his decision. And how poignant then, at 12, here's Jesus saying, don't you know where I'm at? Because a boy was expected to do what his daddy did. And it's like Jesus is saying culturally, hey, mom, hey, Joseph, you know who my dad is. And you know what I'm about to do for my real work. This is my work. I've come to be the true and better temple. The great meeting place between God and man, which is what the temple was, Jesus is going to come and fulfill. That's what it looks like is happening. Verse 50 shows us Joseph and Mary don't get it. So they go back home. Verse 52, Jesus grows in wisdom and stature, and Mary treasured all this up in her heart, etching it into her long-term memory. This is what Mary knew about Jesus. So once and for all, let's answer the question of this polarizing Christmas carol, what did Mary know? Mary knew Jesus was Savior. Simeon told her. Mary knew he was the Redeemer. Anna told her. Mary knew Jesus was the Son of God because Jesus told her. Mary, did you know? Well, that's what the text tells us. And it's fun to poke, poke a little at this awful or wonderful Christmas song. And later today, feel free to text me some memes that you find on Mary, did you know? I'd be happy to entertain them. But as fun as it is to talk about Mary, did you know, the most important question isn't what Mary knew. Friends, the most important question is, what do you know? What do you know? Do you know about Jesus? If you're taking notes, we're turning the corner, we're getting ready to land the plane on this little talk. Do you know about Jesus from this text? First, he was fully human. Jesus really was a baby boy. I love the little song that the kids did. It's beautiful. The Virgin Mary had a baby boy, meaning Mary was really his mother. If you took a DNA test, he has the DNA of mom. He's really human. And this is crucial for salvation. Okay, some of you are like, oh my goodness, theology on Christmas morning, are you kidding? No, Jesus had to be human so as to be able to identify with us, to take our sins. In previous years, we've worked through New City Catechism. Question 22 gets it just right. Why must the Redeemer be truly human? That in human nature, he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. If Jesus is not human, we do not get salvation. And he's got real flesh. He's real body. He really was resurrected, like right now. In this moment, he is really at the right hand of the throne of God, and he really has a body. And someday, every knee is going to bow to him, and if you got close enough to touch him, it would feel like this. He's a real person. He's real human, which means he can identify with you. Wherever you come from, whatever's going on, whatever fear grips your heart, whatever temptations you face, he's felt it all. He is fully human. He's human, but he's also God. Jesus is divine. When he sat there in the temple, when he sat there in the temple, the father really is his legitimate father. We don't have a DNA test to do this, but if we did, and you said, Father God, could you give us a little DNA, please? Uh, thank you, Christ the Son. Look, it's a, it's a perfect match. 
He really is divine. And this is crucial for our salvation as well because a human cannot stand up under the wrath of God. Jesus was able to take our sin on the cross because he's God himself. Question 23 from New City Catechism gets it just right. Why must the Redeemer be truly God? That because of his divine nature, his obedience and suffering would be perfect and effective. The reason you can be saved is because Jesus really is God. He had to be both. He is really human. He's really God. Third takeaway from this text, Jesus really is Savior and Redeemer. And he has brought salvation and redemption. If you're here, you showed up on Christmas just to be nice to mom and dad. You were driving by and thought, church is a good thing to do on a Sunday. It's Christmas, we'll give them one service a year. Whatever brought you here, hear the truth. I don't care what Mary knew, I want to know what you know. Because one day, our eternity is at stake. Jesus really came to save you. Wherever you come from, wherever you're going, he wants to save you. He wants to redeem you. Let me say it like this. In Jesus, you can find forgiveness. Anybody in here riddled with guilt and past mistakes and want forgiveness? Like true forgiveness? I do. It's in Jesus. He will give it to you. The God-man will save, redeem, forgive you. Finally, I want you to know Jesus is amazing. This Christmas day, consider Simeon who looked on Jesus and started to sing. Consider Anna who told anybody who would listen, he's here, he's here. Look at Jesus who himself is amazing to his Mary and Joseph who is astounding them as he declares, I'm in my father's house, becoming more and more like him. I'm going to be about his duty. Mary, did you know? She knew a lot. Most important friends, do you know? Do you know who Jesus is? One day he's coming again. One day he's coming again. And I hope for everybody who's hearing this, for anybody who's listening to a podcast, I hope that when he comes, you're able to go, it's him. It's him. He's the one I've been waiting for. The God man, savior, redeemer, my forgiver. He's here. I hope you know him. Pray with me. Now, Father, thank you for the time to, to talk through this, for these precious kids, precious families, this precious day. I pray we would know you, and somehow, in these few moments we shared, you would allow your word to add one link in the chain for anybody who needs to be saved. I pray they would move one step closer to you. Do this spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com.